0: Hi, I'm Jen Gibson, and this is Brain Weasels, the podcast where people with firsthand knowledge of mental illness come to talk about mental health and the therapeutic fun of pop culture. So if you have those pesky brain weasels, you've come to the right place. If you've been listening to the show, you know Leif and Doc talked about Dungeons and Dragons on a previous episode. This episode was recorded the same day. This one is a very special episode. It's the first where we talk in depth about DID, dissociative identity disorder. That happens about 22 minutes in. We start the episode with a conversation about Doom Patrol, a comic and show on HBO Max about a group of hapless heroes, all with mental health and personal issues they need to work out.
1: So back to Doom Patrol. So there's just so much to get into. I don't even know how to start.
2: Oh, yeah, it's it's a little overwhelming, but yeah. I, I will say... It, this is Doc
1: talking. Uh,
2: Crazy Jane is definitely one of the best depictions I've ever seen, especially because she explicitly says they don't want to integrate they don't want to fuse basically um she has very realistic struggles she's got the childhood trauma i love the way they depict everything including the switches that's very pretty seamless because you you get to see it both ways you know you get to see them and then you also get to see you know it from the outside and honestly it is the one thing other than this one little niche video game i can think of and that's and aside, because it's nowhere near as in-depth, it's the best depiction of how, like, an inner world works that I've mm-hmm. ever seen. And I know so many people who agree with that. And I do believe, when I was reading the comics, I don't remember where I got this information, but I'm, I'm pretty sure the person was never credited. But they had, they had a system as a consultant once upon a time and I think for the show they might have someone else as well because yeah it's otherwise it's like this is too spot on to not have had somebody come in who uh, is familiar with the subject to to, like consultant to you know sensitivity read for you
3: or anything when I first started watching Doom Patrol
2: this is life
1: talking
3: Literally, like, after the first episode, the first thing I did was I messaged Merit and I the remember, whole the yeah, system, yeah. and I'm like, have you seen this? Is yeah. this anything <laughs> like, this feels like this is what you're describing. To me.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I, I like that, too, because I, I remember um her getting that message, and then you it was just, yes, actually, it's a good representation pretty well. There's, there's of course, some in anything where there's, you know, it's played up for... fantasy or drama or something like that um there's always your your little exaggerations but also mostly because i mean if it was purely realistic when it comes to things like switching and stuff like that it would be so subtle nobody would be able to notice and then you'd have people in the audience not really sure what's going on and things like that it's it's you know um it's not really like even us where we've gotten to the point where we're fully out and we're advocates and so we just we just front however we are um most people aren't like that it's it's a chameleon disorder for a reason Mm -hmm. and so uh like i'd say the vast vast majority of people you'd never notice and even with us sometimes people don't notice so you know it um isn't always super florid and i know i know They've done a couple. I could think of an episode or two where it wasn't immediately obvious and, and people have had to ask or, like, Cliff will have something to say about it and, you know, not be 100 percent sure, you know, who he's talking to. But uh, which that's I feel like a good medium yeah. for mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But it's a superhero show. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to complain just because, you know, it's otherwise really spot on. And I, I've liked the fact that they've, um, as it's gone on, there's been a little bit more focus on them finally mm-hmm. learning to pull together and work together and, and compromise on their agendas and stuff like that.
3: Well, so. and, and, you know, to, to, since we're all talking about the ones that speak to us, honestly, Cliff. Oh, yeah. Growing up as a male, particularly as a male in the South in America, mm-hmm. Cliff is speaking directly to me. Oh yeah, he is Cliff's strength and Cliff's problem is just really a, an outward representation of of I mean, for want of a better word, toxic masculinity. It's mm-hmm. that whole he's a brain inside a robot. Mm-hmm. He's not you know he can't feel anything. He's tough. He's never going to stop except when he has to because yeah. eventually he breaks down. And
2: yeah. then and then almost like caring but not knowing <clears throat> how to enact that care and exactly. not knowing how to enact his compassion and having to learn that having it, which he had before <laughs> his situation, uh, having like a savior complex is not the same thing as actually caring about someone and giving them what they need. And that's, I mm-hmm. I love watching that that character so, so well done and always, mm-hmm. always has well, been.
3: I think that's the strength of that show is that in a lot of ways, it's it's like real life. Yeah. I mean, your your yeah. superpower is both your greatest strength and your greatest weakness. It is mm-hmm. yes, this is the thing you know how to do the best because you forced yourself into a situation where that's the only thing you do.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, ugh, I mean. And you can go on about the metaphor stuff, too, because there's so much of it. Just yeah. the fact that, like, I, I mean, when I think about Rita, too, I think about body image issues and, you know, that it's a lot more literal, but, I, you know, like you said, that whole kind of Cluster B, almost borderline thing about trying to be everything for everyone and not knowing who you are when you're devoid of that, and you know, constantly needing Eating to be your doing feelings. exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of that. And then I, I could go on about uh, uh, Larry, although that one's a. And
3: Larry, and once again, uh, I, I say this as a cis white man. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who are homosexual or of various you know gender presentations. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, though, that from the outside, it seems to me like like there really is that whole you know, he's he was a he was a closeted gay man, mm-hmm. and that I, I think the whole metaphor of. He's got this thing living inside yeah. him that gives him his power, but that he ha- tries to hide from everybody because it's going to hurt them. Right. And, and, and he's constantly wrapped up in bandages. He can't show his face.
2: Yeah. And, the, and constantly fighting it, and then in the end having to figure out that if I don't accept this part of myself, no matter how I feel about it or no matter the shame or the, the how afraid of it I even am, until I do that, I, I can't live, like, A life, let alone my best life, or actually help anybody. I gotta manage my own internal, you know, whatever. Especially because compulsive heterosexuality stuff is is so damaging, and there's so much of it. And, yeah. And then also just the fact of like, having to accept that You know, I I appreciate his storyline for the fact that having to accept that when you are hurt, you will inevitably hurt other people. Mm -hmm. And that even if you're not blanket statement abusive, you can be abusive to people or do abusive things. And how the hell do you reconcile that or the fact that you hurt somebody or let them down or you did the wrong thing and made the wrong choice? And how do you live with that? That's the guilt situation with him is is that. That hits deep for me, yeah. and that was also hard because um, it, it's funny when you, with DID stuff and the things that people latch onto, because um, I know Manny talked about the, the the fictive thing, which is where you latch onto something that's media related that either speaks to you, helps you process, or it's comforting or whatever. I I, I know somebody, <laughs> so that one's a little special for me. I'm kind of biased because I know a Larry, but literally and uh that that, but that's the kind of thing where it it speaks that hard to people that you know somebody who's gone through a lot of trauma and that's one of the facets of it you know that it it becomes part of their identity in order to help deal with that um so i i that one hurts on on a different level that i've you know when you see it firsthand more i guess but uh I like that. I, you know, and I think Cliff also does a lot of the grief and guilt thing yes. very well with his storyline.
3: Yeah, so. the, the, the whole sort of reconnection with his daughter. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, realizing that at once he hasn't been there, but at the same time maybe him not being there was kind of a good thing in place. Right,
2: yeah. And then also kind of coming to terms with like, yeah, okay, how do I live with who I used to be? How do I compete with who I was in the past? I think all of them have a little bit of that going on. And I I love that fact because when you're dealing with any kind of trauma, and let's face it, it's it's Doom Patrol for a reason. They're all severely traumatized people. But when you're dealing with that, like it's it's hard to reconcile who you were especially if you're not entirely sure you knew that person or you're not entirely sure they were ever really real and then also with all the things that you've done and 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 how do you let go of it and there's kind of a grief for either like the time you lost being someone you didn't want to be or the time you lost not getting to know yourself or be comfortable with yourself. And then you, you have to look back and be like, what would it have been like? What would have been different if I had made a different choice or had different circumstances or, you know, any of those things, or if this had not happened to me, what have I lost that I'll never know that I lost? I I feel like that's something that comes up frequently with that
3: show. And I think for me, that's the crossover between you know the 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 media and mm-hmm. role playing games and all of that is is its story is how we reconcile who we are with who we thought we were.
2: That's wonderful. That's a wonderful line. Yeah, and, that's and, true.
3: And and, and and giving us the ability either by watching somebody else's story or by playing out a different story on our own, giving us the ability to explore those parts of ourselves that either we've hidden or mm-hmm. we didn't recognize or that we wish were there. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of this, <clears throat> and I think this is really one of the things that's great about living when we do is that all of these stories are out there now mm-hmm. and that we can go out and we can read all this. and we're like, Oh, well, wow, I'd never thought about that. Maybe this applies to me somehow. And mm.
2: For for all the negative drawbacks that come with the Internet, the fact that we are now more connected than we've ever been, it's made the world smaller. That's a good thing. I, yeah. I, I, The fact that now not only do you feel less isolated because people like you are closer and you can hear, you know, stories where you're like, OK, that's that's me. I'm not completely alone out there. But it's also one of those things where it's like I, I can hear stories from people I never would have gotten to meet if i'd lived at any other point and i think that's important to not just my growth as a person but like humanity's growth overall i would say and uh, you know so a lot of bad can come from internet stuff but you're absolutely right and i think that's why i'm i'm super into advocacy stuff you know i we're very much um We live loudly so others don't die quietly is kind of our motto because you never exactly know. Like your voice, your story, this is why anytime somebody says, well, somebody's already done my idea in a book or something. And and my thought is, well, but every single, again, the breadth of human experience, every single story is going to be different because you're the one telling it. You could do your own rendition of Snow White, which has been done a million times, and it will still be different because you're the one who told it. Yeah. And that makes every single voice valuable in telling stories. You never exactly know who you're going to reach or who's going to have, you know, okay, well, the greater, you know, scope of these experiences I relate to and apply to me. But your very specific experiences are the ones that are so close to mine. I feel connected and I feel no longer like I'm, you know, on my own little island with you know that no one has ever suffered this much or had these things happen you know my whole life now i know there's somebody else because you know very very specific circumstances apply but yeah
1: um i get going back to the characters Mm -hmm. i get um Really frustrated with the
2: ones that remind me of me. You know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, I we, I, we, yeah, we get, we get frustrated when Jane's system doesn't get along. And we're like, yeah. it would be so easy if you would, j-, but we've been there. <laughs> yeah. And that's why. <laughs> Let's yeah continue. I'm sorry. Yeah. But it's,
1: I mean, it's interesting as you can be really frustrated and you still really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But I know Larry, for one, like, uh, he frustrates the hell out of me. Um, and, uh, And I think it's just because, like, I know that I have to, you know, I have to wear something, uh, you know, in public with, you know, with my job, with, you know, just my public personality. I have to to dress in these bandages so that, Mm -hmm. you know who I am does it hurt people. (laughs) But, um, then I think, well, how do I embrace this? How do I embrace, you know, every part of me and still be able to maintain, um, jobs and relationships and that
2: kind of stuff. And so, um, I think I see what you're saying, but, but I I think any story is a, a, one of those, whatever you take away from it is more important than like, like, if somebody's story doesn't necessarily match all your experiences or completely belong to you that doesn't mean you're not allowed to relate to it that doesn't mean it's not allowed you're not allowed to have it like help you or to find some common ground right. i think that's a good thing that you can find how like it reflects for you and how you can you know think about that and you know however that actually helps some. Um, I process your experiences, I guess, for yeah. lack of a better phrasing, because I think we're all <laughs> – today was one of those days, but, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, and it just – but it does make me very frustrated with Larry because um, <laughs> I think, oh, this could be so easy. Um, but then I know, you know,
2: no, it's it's not. Um, I think that's actually a good reflection, too, is that once you, once you heal enough and you get through things, sometimes it's good to have – especially if it's a story where there's nobody else actually having – and he's staking it to, to be able to be like, oh, right, you know, I've come this far. I don't need to be that person who forgets how hard it was when I was in it. Right. So.
1: But. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
3: Uh, and, you know, like I said, I, I I feel like I have a responsibility to this because I'm coming from sort of the the straight white male perspective. But I think the best thing that you can do when you're in sort of the power position is to find a way to relate to those stories where mm-hmm. you're not because everybody knows what it's like to be powerless. Even the people who have power and it's real easy when you have, you know, that, that social power to be like, Oh, well I can just do whatever I want to because I'm in charge to, to have that in the back of your mind to go, well, no, no, You weren't, you were powerless at some point and you need to remember that there's always going Mm -hmm. to have that, that internal feeling of powerlessness, I guess it's it's a weird way to put it, but, Mm -hmm. but to, to know that just because you're in the power position, you still have to remember what it's like to be powerless.
2: It's working on that whole learn sympathy thing, because <clears throat> I do believe people overuse empathy. Empathy is just a natural, you're crying, so now I want to cry kind of feeling, and, and yeah. not everybody has that um, very much, if at all. We're one of those people, but sympathy is always something you can learn, and it is practiced. It is absolutely a skill, and you can you know get rusty in it just like anything uh-huh. else, and uh, so it's always good to have something that helps you work on that um because it's you know i i always say empathy is useless without you know effective sympathy and yeah especially like i said if it's in a circumstance where i don't have to put especially anybody if i'm trying to relate to um something that i obviously can't understand because in that way because i don't live it relate to somebody else who's more marginalized than i am or in a different way it's helpful for me to be able to (laughs) get it through a story through something someone else has written instead of um like ask for or take emotional labor that I'm not owed, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. and make them have to work for me because they've done enough just existing, and so mm-hmm. i always I always feel like that's another reason that it's good to write stories that people can engage with um on their own. I think that's very helpful because, yeah, once you put your voice out there, there's another one, and that that is something that then anybody who's trying to work on themselves can go find without having to go to their nearest friend and be like, oh, teach me things. Yeah. Have have space for me after all of yeah. the, the things you've already been through. Yeah. Have some more. Well,
3: yeah, so. I, I, not, to, not to open a can of worms here, because I know where we're Open
2: we're, it. We're, <laughs> but, but,
3: well, I like another show that, to me, a show that I <clears> like, <throat> it actually made me feel things to the point of like it changed my perspective. Mm. Um uh I don't know how many of you watched Sense8.
2: Oh uh, yes. Mm-hmm. But when
3: I watched that watching that whole thing I think the brilliant thing that they did with that show was there were all, all of the for for want of a better term, all of the system mm-hmm. there. It, it um, is a,
2: it is an interestingly adjacent concept yeah. which is why I watched it.
3: But yeah. but um <clears throat> All of them were such different characters that if you watched that show, there was somebody who you kind of became your viewpoint character, mm-hmm. and then having them at the same time be in each other's viewpoint was really eye opening. Like, like, mm-hmm. like. I mean, because <clears throat> once again, you know, the the sort of the the. I, and I can't remember the characters' names, but the 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 one male who was the cop in Chicago mm-hmm. um, was kind of my entry character into that because I, you know, he's a white guy, you, you know, pretty normal, you know, like like vanilla American male, uh, but over the course of the series, him sort of experiencing all of the little microaggressions that mm-hmm. everyone else was having to deal with firsthand.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: even though it's not happening to you, having a character that you can identify with, identify with somebody else, yeah, was really a, a powerful experience for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was I think in a lot of ways that show was about sympathy.
2: Oh yes. Yeah. And, and you're not the only one who feels that way. That There are very few shows that have ever um, I feel like really nailed the concept of the audience vehicle for a character um that well without making a completely blank slate and it is just because of the way that the story is set up but yeah and i feel like that's one of those almost like lead by example kinds of things because there's a situation where you're putting yourself in like you said that that escapist like imagination creative department where you put yourself in the story that then actually kind of translates to real life because now you're actively thinking about how that would work for you like you're you're able to actually like yeah he's literally experiencing all these microaggressions but then now you're thinking about your experience versus everyone else around you in a more conscious active way I think it's one of those you're now breathing manually kind of things, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, I love shows like that where you, everybody has a different kind of view of it because they can relate to different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas there's some, I can't think of examples right now, but where it's clear that maybe one or two characters was, were really thought about and mm-hmm. the rest are kind of just yeah props. Absolutely. <laughs> you
2: know, yeah. so oh i could go on about like media like that and that's why I, I i've always felt like um it it has not only been a huge disservice to the did community for the for the um stories up to this point to have mostly been the same thing and had the same problems and <laughs> in horror movies and stuff because sense it was a perfect example of I actually think that this could be and that's different because it's literally different people's different yeah. people having different perspectives but at the same time I, I almost feel like there would be a lot of room for that sort of thing because um when I say I have a completely different that's how that's how I know I'm here um we have completely different perceptions of the world
0: I'm going to jump back in here Before we dive into dissociative identity disorder, you should know a few things. DID used to be called multiple personality disorder, but dissociative identity fits better because dissociation plays such a big role. A DID system is the group of alters living in one body. The term alter refers to an identity that evolves in a brain along with other identities. DOC is an alter in the Sanchez system. I will let her explain more, starting with how she perceives the world differently than the other alters in her system.
2: And I think that is something that is very untapped in story media. So it's it's nice to be seeing more of it. Um, and when I do say different perceptions, I mean like right down to like colors seem different to me a little bit. I focus on different things. Uh, I mean, it's easy to say that things taste different. Um, that's, you know, those types of senses. But I, but just really, like, what stands out to me in a general environment and how I pick up on things and pay attention to things and, ter- and interpret things is completely different from how someone else in my system would do it. So
1: That's always – I found that interesting, like, because you mentioned that's how I know I'm here. Yeah. Like Or how I know I'm real. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that, like uh, – think you said here but i was thinking how do you how you know you're real yeah you know that's all you know uh because everybody in your system is completely different Mm -hmm. um but my uh, the thing that my brain can't quite wrap around is the development of a new person and how they recognize themselves you know it's sort of like it's a little bit mind-blowing it's something that we do you know just Mm -hmm. naturally Um, But when I think about someone um, who has somebody else in their head who's also fighting to be real, it's just...
2: It can be terrifying and kind of traumatic in and of of itself. And uh, it is a process. It can be really complicated. That's one of those big things that systems struggle with too because sometimes the first evidence of it is just, I am forgetting a lot more stuff than usual what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then, yeah, I, I mean, we've had we've had new people show up and immediately have a panic attack because they have no idea where they are. They've never really, like, like they have access, of course, it's the same brain to what we've been through and, like, like our inherent skills, speech and whatnot, but none of this is recognizable. Who am I, where am I, and what is happening? I, I've walked so many different people's altars through and our own through panic attacks over that stuff. Of like... I'm alive. This is a concern now. <laughs> what is happening to me? And just, and then having, of course, doubts, a symptom and everything, because, you know, it wants to hide itself from you, especially when you're not recovered, because if you know about the thing that's keeping you safe from the things you don't know, then suddenly you can access the things you're not supposed to know or whatever else. And, um, so it, it's, it's also one of those things that I, I don't think anybody, you've, I don't think you ever stop dealing with denial or, um, kind of wondering if you're faking it or something like that and really the only thing I mean people are just experiences and the only thing that seems to help is just getting more of that and if you start out not having any idea you know who you are and having to pick up you know because you're new um that can be really difficult to want to have more experiences, which just perpetuates the problem at that point. And and a lot of alters too, um, you start out with a job and maybe that's the one thing you know about yourself is I'm here to do this. And then if the situation gets resolved or you get healthier and suddenly you don't have that job, you're like, Oh, I have no purpose in life. What am I supposed to do now? Mm. Uh, I'm useless. Do I even deserve to be here? Am I just adding to the number of us and, it's so bizarre because um, if you have a small number, somehow that's bad because it's not enough and you must be faking it. If you have too many, that's not realistic either. But then if you're right in the middle, clearly you're catering to something, trying to hit an average so you seem real, right? And it, huh. there is it, there, there's always a reason. <laughs> there's always a reason you're going to question whether or not you're real. But, I mean, it's not... I feel like it's just a per capita more existential crises than your average singlet has, um, but it's not like it's any different from the type of thing that you know singlets go through. I think.
3: Well, and, and you know, <clears throat> going back to that, I mean, most uh, most mental traumas, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put you know, I'm gonna put you know, anxiety, depression, autism, all of that. I guess best, maybe a better way to put it be invisible illness, mm-hmm. and and a lot of that, uh, even stuff like fibromyalgia. As mm-hmm. I have friends who deal with that. There's always going to be somebody who says, "Well, I can't see it, so it must not be real." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And, and and I think that's part of why we talk about this in yeah. public is because look, there's several thousand of us who are telling you it's real. Mm-hmm. It's real.
2: Not to mention, despite, like, with with D.I.D., like, especially, the, there's recorded cases and evidence going back to the 1600s, and it has been on the books for, you know, centuries at this point, let alone decades. But there's certain people who've had a vested interest, whether because they're insecure and they can't wrap their brain around it, which makes, if it means they're not the smartest because they can't understand it, then it must not be real. There's those people. Right. And then there's people who have a vested interest in denying that it exists because it is either, um like— not lucrative to their own situation or their own theories, or because it means that there's trauma and certain crimes and things involved that they have an interest in, you know, covering up or pretending didn't happen. They they have an interest in, in victims not being believed. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's had pushback forever because it's just, it's the kind of thing that I, I don't think we've ever been given the space to talk about, to explain, so people could wrap their brain around it. Mm-hmm. Um and because of that, I, you know, I that's why I wanna talk about it all the time as frankly as possible. I hope I haven't taken up too no. much space right now, but no. but it is definitely one of those things where um Yeah, I, I think I think it's just people are like, Oh, it's on the rise. And it's just, no, it's that we're more connected. And there's more of us who have the opportunity, the safe space. Cause it's very unsafe to talk about for a lot of people. Um, and that's true of like autism and a lot of other things. Like if mm-hmm. you've got kids and you're in a custody battle and they know they will absolutely use your diagnosis against you and the court will probably rule in their favor because of the, the myths about it and whatnot. Right. Um, well, things and, like that. And,
3: and, and needing to make it a pathology. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I know uh, friends who are autistic who have this feeling. Uh, DID I'm certain is on that. I mean, but but the idea that everything has to be a problem that must be solved. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the way we are,
2: right? right. I, and I have a I have an, an interesting middle ground about that as an advocate because I, I have two minds too. Is that I don't like demedicalizing everything because. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having a disability or a mental illness. And so trying to say that it isn't one is... Actually, internalized ableism further perpetuate. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like I can be disabled and struggle, and also not want to change this about myself because at the same time, there's nothing wrong with the way that I am in that regard. Everything has its its good side and its bad side, and I can need some extra help for the things that it you know, just like bad eyesight that it takes away, and also think that I look damn good in glasses. Like it's one of those situations where I I like the way that I am and I don't I wouldn't change that I don't you know I like my my system family and everything Um, and there are plenty of benefits and fun things about it so I think it's it's so wrong that there are so many people who are just if you're not suffering all the time, or you're not at least this traumatized to mm-hmm. ride, then you're uh, romanticizing it or glorifying it, or you're not actually sick. I don't agree with that. And the, but then on the other hand, I know that there's this new movement of people being like, take it out of the DSM because it's not a, it's not an actual pathology. And I, I'm like, there is a middle ground. Exactly. We can have both of these things. Well, <laughs> you don't I, have
3: and, to. You know, it's like something you, uh, you mentioned earlier about cases going back to the 16th century. One of the mm-hmm. coolest things. I've I saw recently and it, it is now according it, it's my head headcanon whether or not people believe it but the idea that, that the whole idea of a changeling is just a really bad explanation of autism
2: Ah, uh, yeah i mean i, yeah. I definitely think yeah. they've it's always like my been my
3: three-year-old went away and suddenly it's a different child no that's just when autism presents <laughs> i i
2: i 100 have heard of and i i will say i I have known people in the DID community who have experienced this. Um, not that I'd name any names, who uh, where the idea of possession just straight up right. throughout history has been in a lot of cases like being in a different country where you've got this disorder and you're a system, you're multiple, and in that country the number one thing is. It's possession. We're going to give you an exorcism. And then they get out of that situation to a country that has more mental health care. And they're like, oh, you have a system. And that is, of course, what actually helps. But and and there is a thing in the DSM that says it's, it's different from like ritual trances and possessions by spirits and whatnot but there but there has you know trying to separate the two but in a lot of cases there isn't a separation there, there's just someone who has this going on and uh, you know especially when it comes to religious trauma I, I know so many demons I don't know how to, else to say that. As I know so many like <laughs> biblical referenced altars and ones that specifically see themselves as demons and things like that because of religious trauma and 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 people just looking at it as that throughout history, when, oh no, actually it's a totally normal, if yeah. maladaptive coping mechanism that your brain falls into and causes some issues,
1: <laughs> but not necessarily destructive. And no. uh going back to representations in media, even mm-hmm. though we're getting off Doom Patrol, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> that that has been the very a very common theme for oh, yeah. um, DID in in media is. Uh, that there's one there, one personality, one identity that is um,
2: aggressive, or even homicidal. You know, yeah. or fight for dominance, or whatever else. Right. And 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 it's funny because um, I would say I know a lot of people who, especially systems who have had uh, homicidal ideation or tendencies, or um, aggression or violent tendencies, have been in trouble for that sort of thing. We, I actually am one. My system is actually, we 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 have a history of that sort of thing that we, I think, for reference of being <laughs> afab and also just because of pure circumstance, completely skirted by getting in trouble for a lot of it mm. and ending up in a you know jail or something else or worse. Um, but I, I know a lot of people who have those issues but they're not any different from like <laughs> your average person who deals with that sort of thing. And in a lot of cases they're better off because um, anytime, you know, we got to the point where anytime we wanted to, you know, Alex wanted to rip somebody's face off or beat the snot out of them. And then it's like someone calmer shows up and is like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to ruin our life and give ourselves away. You go sit down mm. and we're going to, you know, so you have someone else to back you up who probably isn't like that.
3: Yeah. Uh, and And, Speaking, it seems like, to me, because I've, you know, we've all seen the, because the, it's, it's a trope in movies now, mm-hmm. the, the, the homicidal altar. Yeah. Um, and I think, to me, in a lot of ways, that's more a function of normal people trying to write about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, normal in quotations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but the, the idea that, because as a person who is a singlet. hmm I've had to deal with rage issues and, Mm -hmm. and, and parts of myself that I am afraid of literally. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of a depiction tells more about the people writing it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and it, because, because there are parts of, I, I, one of the metaphors I used in therapy was the Hulk. There are Mm -hmm. parts of myself that, I am really afraid of Mm -hmm. because I know how angry that part of me is, Mm -hmm. and I can totally see somebody writing a story, you you know, to take it back to the original Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. You know, it's
2: and I think you're absolutely right because the (laughs) telltale hallmark of that to me is people trying to split them up into archetypes. Yeah, I I actually did have somebody, and um, it's so funny because I've gotten so much weird backlash about hating split. When they're like, oh, but you like Psycho? And I'm like, that's different for different reasons. It's That's one of those things where there's, you know, this historic and cinematic value to that, and there's a long story behind it, and Lovecraft Circle stuff, like I mentioned before, that, you know, I, because Robert Bloch and all, no, but um, I, you know, so it's it's one of those situations, where they're like, oh, but you don't like this, and people aren't allowed to like it. I, I didn't say that M. Night Shyamalan's a hack. The reason is because he actually—I had friends who consulted for that movie, and he reassured them that it wasn't going to be what it was. And then the trailer came out in the first showing, and they were like, uh, we need to talk. And the, his secretary, like his people, ghosted everyone and then credited none of them. Wow. And, and went into interviews with McAvoy and said— uh. Oh, we've never gotten any complaints. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a petition one of my friends, uh Scarlett started that had like 60,000 signatures or better, I think. That was like this is you you've you've lied to us and you use our our volunteer time inappropriately and now you're 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 acting like we didn't exist and and you didn't credit any of us and there were some there were actually some um some doctors who were involved in that and all not but that he was just going around, "Oh no, they haven't had any problem with it," which <laughs> is ridiculous and that's really the reason that i, I fucking hate that movie <laughs> and i think he's i mean he was already a hack to begin with but but one of the telltale signs is the archetypes and, and i've actually had somebody ask me they're like, oh do you have a beast in your system and i'm like oh sure i mean their name is alex and their favorite thing is rocks and sharks and uh they just like to lay around and watch how it's made and they eat mac and cheese and they had a history of wanting to throw hands and now all they do is um (laughs) like sit around the house um and and it's just because it's so much more complex than that and and when they try to break them down into the angry one and the the happy one and the little kid and it's just it does not work like that. We all have our own, um, we have a joke because we'd had some friends in the past who were awful to us and uh, tried to categorize us us like that. And uh, so we joke, oh, Tabby is the angry merit and Gamma is the sleepy merit. And (laughs) and we just go on from that. Manny is the suave merit. And then, but it's obviously so much more than that because, you know, I mean, we've all got our different ways of, expressing different things and handling yeah. different things so
1: it's like you know for um someone who hasn't experienced it and doesn't know they're basically just taking their emotions and deciding that the emotions and the different parts yeah. of yourself are <laughs> alters and that's not at all it no they're they
3: they're, they're turning it inside out exactly exactly
2: and that's not what it's like and I, you know it's 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 funny because um you know, th- there is something to be said that that might be one of the closer ways that, that singlet people could relate to it. And and the internal family systems stuff actually works for many singlets. But uh, it's, it's a lot, like I cannot explain exactly how much more literal. And that's the problem with people saying, oh, yeah, I have my alter ego for this. And I'm a totally different person around my coworkers. And I see you're trying to relate to me. But the narrative here is just the fact that I'm literally a different person and we all mm-hmm. code switch to our co-workers yeah. in a different way <laughs> yeah. so who i am around my 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 peers is going to be different than than who tabby is around her peers or vex is around his peers and you know and that's that's the part that that a lot of people don't seem to get is that it's not just a it's not just a mode and and, and you know i we do to relate it back to role playing um it is one of those things where I feel like people sometimes when they struggle view us as characters and yeah, we write about ourselves and we've role played, but for a long time there, when we were in the closet, especially in my case you know, we did the method active thing, but then we would come in costume and we'd be like, oh, it's hard to get out of, quote unquote, once we were done. Like, mm. oh, I can't get rid of the accent because it's sticky or something. <sighs> or, you know, I, I, I'm just I'm just still hyped up. So we're going to go for coffee and I'm just not going to stop role playing. The answer is just I was extremely lonely and uh, wanted friends and had no other way of existing in the world as myself other than to go to Call of Cthulhu game and have one night a week where I could actually be me and I don't know how to explain to people that you know if you don't have the desire to just keep being you all the time and not just in certain situations or you know I because we still switch when there's nobody around you know I I think another one of the, the big benchmarks I mean we just went in for surgery recently and that's another one of those situations if we're sick or we've been under anesthesia or something like that we're still us, and we still switch. And if you're not, you know, if 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 you're trying to look at it as something I can turn on and off, or that we, you know, shed when there's no audience around, you're already missing the point. Mm-hmm. Or something that's simple enough that it could be contained to a character, then you're already missing the point. So I don't know. If that makes sense. <laughs> I feel like I'm rambling now, but
3: no, uh, I would say the the code switching thing because mm-hmm. I mean everybody, e- even. The most bland white guy code switches. Oh,
2: yeah. A
3: yeah. uh, There's who you are you know, to, 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 to be very Southern, even though I don't go. There's who you are at church and there's who you are at the liquor store. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I wasn't going to get into this, but I think, you know, since we're on this track, mm-hmm. um, say there's somebody listening, um, a youngin uh, who is struggling and trying to figure out and might mm-hmm. think that they may be have alters um Mm. but don't really know how to define it or what it is like what is the what are the signs that help you realize
2: that this is what's going on right um so this one's always a little difficult because there has been an uptick in recent years especially because the internet of of self-diagnosis which is is valid because on average it takes a person with did seven to twelve years to get diagnosed including us who had a good start because we started the process when we were still in high school so we got diagnosed sooner than most people Um, but it's very inaccessible a lot of people don't want to specialize in it if they even know anything about it all and by specialize I mean take literally any clients because if word Mm -hmm. gets around that you're good and you're taking systems suddenly they're inviting all their friends to be your clients and now this is your entire client base and all of the network of other therapists and and professionals you know are going to to refer them to you and so you will get overwhelmed quickly with the fact that there's a huge need um you know it's very very under like um i guess underserved as a community um so it's hard to find somebody who even knows what they're looking for and it's one of those things that as a professional, it is unethical for me to say what I really think. Right. You know, like, like I can't diagnose you. I can't tell you what I think, but I am a big system magnet. And as an advocate for people who are, you know, just starting on their path or need help or, you know, anything like that. Or I make the suggestion that this is something you should look into. I never want to lead people down any particular path. You know, that's never been an MO that I've had. Um but it's one of those things where it's like, if what I'm saying is resonating with you and it's scaring you, it is time to ask questions and there is a spectrum of dissociation. So not everybody's going to be, you know, as hardline DID or show symptoms. There's, there's different things. Um, I think there are a lot of people who are mistaken about what's going on, but the truth is that if you're using, if you're learning skills and coping methods and they're working, they're working for a reason. And if Mm -hmm. they, if they're not working or they're having the opposite effect, you're doing the wrong thing. Um, but i think if if you've got questions you know taking the dissociative experiences scale the watered down version is online it's free if you score really high again another thing that take that to someone professional i always if you can and it's a it's a process and i'm not ever going to lie to anybody about how long it could take whether there's resource barriers or just finding somebody especially in the south um it's going to take a while, but, but absolutely always take it to a professional just to be sure. Because if you start treating everything like you're a system and you're not a hundred percent sure and you haven't done all your research, um, and you just automatically start doing those things, you can mess yourself up worse, especially if you're a maladaptive daydreamer or something like that. Um, but I mean, if you've been misdiagnosed, like with 10 different things and none of this stuff has been working for you and you still feel like something's missing and especially if you've been misdiagnosed with psychosis or um you know cluster b but but that doesn't answer all your questions about identity then then chances are it's a thing to start asking about um and yeah whenever you can See a professional or ask somebody, see a diagnostician specifically. Sometimes that's all they do is run tests and rule stuff out and then they can refer you. Um that's worth checking on. Shop around for people always. A 5-minute phone call will save you like months of hassle just going into an office if you just pick yeah. up the phone and you're like, "Okay, do you believe this is a real thing and what do you do about this?" Like pick a couple of questions. You'll figure out real fast whether that's somebody you need to be talking to or not. Um, which if they say no, even if you're not DID and you're looking for a good therapist, ask them about controversial things like that, because if it's in the DSM and it isn't actually controversial and they still say no, you don't need to be talking to them no matter what your diagnosis is. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, and I, I would say that if you're, if you still haven't been able to figure out why, um, we always had for a long time, we were very, standoffish about portrayals thereof so if you just kind of hate the subject but you're fascinated by it but you hate it like we were terrified of um watching sybil we never wanted to and i mean it's not good anyway but uh (laughs) we also were like fascinated with jekyll and hyde but it genuinely gave us nightmares yeah yeah. that kind of thing where it's like your brain kind of will tell you but There's a lot of stuff that I think people don't realize isn't normal. I I know we had the thing where we kind of knew there was something going on. And it's like, cool, I hear voices, I guess. But um, we've also had psychotic symptoms. And in those cases, they're absolutely indistinguishable indistinguishable from reality. And we've had Mm -hmm. to do things like hit a recording and go look around. Whereas with the internal voices, I, I know that I'm not actually hearing them. They're coming from someplace else. And dissociation itself is a big factor. If you, if you dissociate hard all the time, that is one of the, the bigger red flags, is, is just how much depersonalization and derealization do you do. Gaps in memory are not always reliable, because some people don't have the same amnesia problems, and that's really not a good place to start. But then again, if you're extremely forgetful, and that could be because there's, there's a huge overlap with other neurodivergences and DID, simply because the world currently produces no untraumatized neurodivergent children at all right <laughs> but uh you know if it's if it's one of those things where it's like well i got I got medicated for the a d h d and I still find my car keys in places I don't remember leaving them, or uh I don't know how I got home last night or things like that, or i'm you know i'm I'm missing work sometimes, and I don't know why, um you know any of those sorts of things, I'd say just do your research on reading up on. You know, the DID criteria in the DSM, Um, that being, that criteria list is not rules, but it's a place to start. Read about other people's experiences, and if they're really, really resonating with you, especially that stuff about, you know, like me role-playing as myself because I don't have any other opportunity to be myself, like, if that's resonating really hard, then that's the point to start asking someone. Yeah. So I hope that generally helps.
1: (laughs) That but, was great, therapy everybody. Therapy. Absolutely, therapy
3: works. <laughs>
1: right. Um, yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention about Doom Patrol, just to bring it back. Yes. Um, that uh, Crazy Jane is not the original person, um, and I thought that was interesting um, because I think people, I know that I before you mm-hmm. know I even met you or knew anything about uh, a system I. I thought that there was the person who was born and raised and then there were these alters, but that's not generally how it works. No,
2: So it's funny because, um, I always say that, that, uh, psychological research is, is like five to 10 years behind what the community already knows. And public understanding is five to 10 years behind what psychology right. already knows. So, yeah. um, the broken vase theory isn't really how it works. There are sometimes people who have good enough memories that they sort of remember starting to have, like, a, a personality that's integrated to a singlet and then, you know, having trauma a little later on. Some people's memories really are that good. I mean, we remember stuff back to being, like, one or two years old. Um, wow. So sometimes people will have that happen and then someone will identify as the original or um, somebody who is has been so predominantly the main fronter that everybody else feels auxiliary at first mm-hmm. will identify as a core or something like that but the the current like structural dissociation theory is basically the idea that you you know you for all intents and purposes are a blank slate of a person everybody when they're they're born is doesn't have an integrated personality and you don't until you hit a certain age that's you know between like Eight and thirteen, and your cutoff most people's is around, you know, six to eight years old anyway, before they have an integrated sense of self. And because of those things, um, you are kind of always dissociated. That whole thing about like toddlers are little drunk adults, yeah. <laughs> that's cause that's cause they're all constantly dissociated. So if you've ever had a kid do something wild and you're like why'd you do that and then i've had kids in the you know in my life who've done something like that and then they start crying like i don't know it's literally because everybody starts out that way and everybody dissociates and they're trying to figure out their narrative um however structural dissociation theory states that uh you know especially based on attachment styles although uh, looking at my family because i've actually had the ability to trace back i do believe the like the predisposition to dissociate is genetic to some extent um and neurodivergence absolutely plays a part in that but attachment styles will lean you in the one thing or another especially somewhere on the spectrum when you start experiencing trauma um so the idea is i have a disorganized attachment style i had no stable basis for a support network or any of that when we were when we were a kid um it wasn't just like a like a um, detached style where uh it was inherent neglect and abuse all the time and i had no attachment to parents it was it was unpredictable i didn't know who these people were going to be and who i could rely on if i could rely on them and when. It, was, it wasn't a clear cut, I can't rely on anyone, or there's at least one adult in my life that I could rely on. It was up in the air. So, you know, with all of that said, um, my brain, when trauma started happening, decided that the easiest thing for, you know, me to do with all of those factors put in together was to put up these barriers between, you know, these parts of my personality and experiences and and these other ones so okay this trauma's happening it's not happening to me it's happening to someone else that's not a very conscious thought but it's one of those i'm putting this in a different set of experiences that are separate from myself and with did now that barrier between the two doesn't ever come down and now you have this set of experiences existing and this separate one. Mm-hmm. So that's why there's no real original is it's not about splitting off of one thing that was already there. It's about having almost nothing and then instead of, you know, bringing it all together like most kids it all just stayed separate because it was it was serving me and it was safer and it was my own support network and I could just dump experiences different places and in case with my amnesia not have to think about them at all and they totally didn't happen to me right and uh, I, I'm actually not even one of the people who was was here at first really um, but it's one of those things where it was just it was it was putting up the dissociative barrier so high that now you have multiple different groups of experiences. And the more developed ones, you know, are the ones that are fronting more and do more of these things. And and then those sets of experiences change you into the person that you become. Um, So I I always say, we've had several different metaphors that we've heard that we've liked like a like how a rose bush you can take clippings of and grow a different rose bush and genetically it's identical to the one that it started with but it's but my favorite was um we we started calling it the lego theory which is the idea that like okay so most kids let's say you're given um a chest full of legos and they're like all right build yourself and you're on a time limit and when you're done we'll come and look at it and that'll be it so you build a base for it and they're like, oh, that's lovely. You know, you've hit this point in time. That's all going to be cemented. You might have other things as you grow and change, like you can move big chunks around, but you're not really like changing that main structure. You're building off of one thing that has already been your It's your life narrative and it's, it's who you are at the core. And no matter what else you learn about yourself or um, what new experiences you have, You've got something there. Versus with DID, it's like you give the kid the chest and you start and someone keeps coming by at regular intervals kicking the thing over and now you're scrambling to figure out where all the pieces were supposed to go. And so you're like, okay, well, I'll put this set here. And they're big enough sets that you're like, oh, what do I do? And then before you know it, the time's up. And now you have several different little cemented ones that you're working with to build off of and change and grow. And you can continue to do things like, take pieces and put them in your bucket and put them back together differently. But instead of having one foundation that you're then, you know, altering and, 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 you know, building and uh, expounding upon, you, you've got a whole bunch of little ones. Yeah. And then the process of, of alters, either room, um, like fusing or splitting or, or anything, or sometimes we, we do this thing where um you'll go dormant and you'll go to sleep. And then who you wake up as because of, uh you know, experiences sometimes you're not completely stuck in the past you're someone else so you it's like it's kind of my ancestor it's who I used to be so you know I'm I'm this person and also this piece that we had that we weren't doing anything with and we stuck them together and now I'm here like it's one of those situations where it's I don't know how else to describe it otherwise you know like building things and um and that's really the the difference is there was never um there was never one solid foundation to begin with for anybody but singlets end up with one because they're able to take their experiences and say this was mine and in our case we never started doing that at least not until much later and that's why that's it's also important to mention that fusing is the idea that you take two or more altars and you make one person um and that's it's it's weird, but it's an ego thing, and I, I could explain further, but it would take forever. <laughs> but integration, which a lot of people confuse for fusion, because sometimes they involve each other. Integration is actually um, so if you're out there and you're relating to any of this kids, if a therapist says is talking about integration, they're probably talking about it in the clinical sense. You could just tell them you don't want to fuse, and then work on integration because therapeutically integration means taking the breadth of your experiences and saying okay well this person was the one in the driver's seat when it happened but it happened to all of us Mm. integration is taking that narrative and finally pulling it together so you can actually and you don't have to stop being a system i always say that um alters are not the problem they're the solution to the problem because the problem is the fact that the dissociative barriers no matter how thick they are amnesia or not are not sustainable they are maladaptive they are only good in a crisis moment and then once you're out of survival mode they they will absolutely cause problems for you and creating alters around those experiences to some extent is a side effect, sure, but when your brain does it on purpose because they need a specific kind of person, so I'm going to isolate this part of these specific tracks in our brain because that's my other favorite is the subway tracks. Yeah. We're going to run a blue line through here because we need that right now. It's a solution to the um, the problem of of having those barriers go up in the first place. So alters themselves don't have to go anywhere to be able to work together. My, my whole problem is just No, I wasn't the one who was immediately there experiencing it, but I have to accept that this thing that happened, good or bad, just because it happened to Merritt or just because it happened to Cooper or something like that doesn't mean it didn't happen to me. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So, And that's also system responsibility, which is a whole other thing about the fact that you can't make excuses or make defenses that that wasn't me, that was Patricia. Like, Mm -hmm. that's such bullshit (laughs) i don't know but it'd be you'd be surprised the number of people even singlets who seem to think that's how it works but no because no matter what one person does it's still your life that you are collectively in some way in control of and you have to take responsibility for your collective actions because i always say you have to be comfortable with the duality of being one person and many people at the same time Literally, our brain blueprint is exactly the same. So me being a completely different person does not mean I'm also separate. I am also still one person. And that is the part that's hard for even yeah. systems to wrap their brain around sometimes. And there's a little pushback against, for, you know, because it's hard to accept it first until you realize that they're not mutually exclusive things. So. Well, uh,
1: I wish we could talk about Moon Knight today. I know. I'd well, w- well, wait yeah, on a I few things.
3: I was just to say, once again... I'm completely not religious, but I was raised in the South, so I can't help but be around it. I'm just thinking, also, like your perfect example for anybody who's having trouble with this is like, oh, well, thick of the Trinity. Yeah, we have a huge, <laughs> there's
2: a huge joke in the community that the, yeah, that uh, the, the Holy God. Trinity is just a D.I.D. system. You've got God and Jesus and the Holy Ghost, and and they're all the same, and they're also different at the same time. Exactly that. <laughs> or uh, or or if you, I know a lot of systems. Um, who do the comedic thing and lean Egyptian, including actually including some of us, but um, that's because one of the things about you know Egyptian mythology and religion is that you have many souls. Mm-hmm. You're all still the same person with technically the same soul, but there's there's pieces to it, mm-hmm. and those are different things. And when you start thinking of it that way, especially when it comes to Ba and Ka, where it's like. Ka is strictly just your personality and who you are now and your experiences and your ba is whatever's in the deepest part of your soul at your core who you are. And that's one thing that can have all these multiple souls, including your body, counts as a separate soul. Your body itself is like a holy entity. and So that appeals very much to systems because we get that already. Yeah. <laughs> at least a lot of us do. So it is absolutely that idea. Yeah. 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 Well,
1: this has been great, but we should wrap up.
2: Yes, I could go on forever. So I know I, uh, we know we've already uh, come back twice at this point. So,
1: <laughs> no, oh, I could talk about this forever because I can uh, listen to you talk about it forever. Because, thank you. Um,
2: I'm glad I'm not it's boring. <laughs> not
1: at all. It, it is fascinating. Insane, yeah. uh, it is intensely interesting. Absolutely, as it is, you know, for anyone who doesn't experience that it is um it's so complex and Mm -hmm. and fascinating and so thank you
2: i appreciate it yeah no problem anytime
0: thanks for joining us at least one other member of the sand system will be on in a later episode and hopefully i can convince life to come back as well but that's it for now i'll leave you with a couple of quotes from doom patrol in the words of larry trainer you can't live for other people you have to be true to yourself And in the words of Crazy Jane, the character with the ID, you all need more therapy than I do, and I'm the
1: crazy one. Words to live by. Thanks for listening.